Welcome to A Juicy Journey, a Juicy Follows podcast in collaboration with Shock Radio. My name is Lucy Follows. I am half actress slash creative lady, half student occupational therapist. A Juicy Journey is a podcast about mindfulness and creativity. Mindfulness meaning being thoughtful, creativity meaning expressing yourself. We will explore mindfulness themes, showcase some new creative content and enjoy some fun chats with cool creative types. My own creative juicy journey began at my first acting gig, the school nativity, aged four, when I was the only girl in my class who wanted to be a donkey rather than an angel. I got abandoned by my shepherd and had to crawl up the aisle alone. Many years later, having mostly recovered, I graduated from the University of Manchester with a drama degree. I've since worked a variety of acting, community and education jobs. I've navigated complicated creative industries, battled some funky mental health challenges, but most importantly, met some incredible people along the ride. One of whom is a lovely creative lady that I have been lucky enough to work with on multiple occasions. Showing off a bit, aren't I? Martha Loder is a playwright, producer and actor based in Ipswich. She is an alumni of High Tide and Soho Theatre's writers groups, and her work has been performed nationally and internationally. Martha is going to help me explore our theme this week, nostalgia and creativity. I think often in life we put on our rose-tinted spectacles and bang on about the good old days, forgetting that we're in good new days right now. This can be both a good and a bad thing. Of course it's fun to reminisce with our friends about fun memories. Speaking of which, our creative piece this week is me and yours truly Martha, larking about. She's such a great writer, and it really was an honour to workshop this piece together. For creativity, nostalgia can also be a trap, though. I know I can be guilty of not moving forwards because I want something to be like how it once was. Let's delve into all of this now. Hello, Martha. (laughs) Hello, Lucy. (laughs) Thank you for coming on the show. Please. It's my absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. No, thank you. So we're all very thankful. That's good. Please, can you tell us about the creative bit of your soul? So why you do creative things? Because I've tried in the past not to do it. Um, not very hard, albeit. Um, but it's just, it's, I think, I mean, we've talked about this in the past, haven't we? But it kind of lingers like a, like a bad smell. Um, <laughs> really hard to get rid of unfortunately you can't turn it off you can't turn it off um I think I'd be a very a a very uh different let's say person if I didn't have this as an outlet and I wonder how people get through their lives (laughs) Mm. you know without having some way of just going ah you know screaming into the void so yeah my equivalent of screaming into the void but I also really enjoy (laughs) I think I should you know, I should probably preface everything by saying that. Yeah, I really cool. love it, um, and it's it's a great way of meeting people and you know friendships develop through this in a way that um, wink wink nudge nudge exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about anyone in particular. Uh, my friend Susan. <laughs> oh yes, Susan. Yes, Susan, I never great. really liked her. Um, <laughs> so, what excites you creatively, and what scares you? Such a good question. Um, 
I recently have been really interested uh, as a writer thinking about um, the link between structure and content. So how you can how you can sort of change the way that you write based on what you're writing about. So Constellations, the Nick Payne play is a great example of that. Yes, where isn't it? It's gorgeous. And he's just so cleverly nailed that. Uh, it's not a perfect play by any means, but it is a, it's an exceptional piece of writing because, because that, um, that content, uh, the idea of these, the quantum multiverse and, and things happening mm. um, differently, depending on where you are in time and space. I, I'm not a physicist, so <laughs> I don't, I can't explain that, but um it's, it's just really effect idea exactly yeah. it's really well um it's really well shown in the in the structure of the play and i think that's something that i'm really trying to reflect in the writing that i'm doing at the moment um yeah. that really excites me um what scares me is everything everything about the the process <laughs> okay yeah and would you like a, a more simplified answer <laughs> um less simplified probably <laughs> no, I, what? <laughs> I find the there, whole thing the whole thing scares you as in the there, whole thing is things in your kind of day-to-day -day about being a creative person that make you anxious or are, are things that you think about a lot maybe um I can't remember who said this but someone was talking about uh, what what the hardest project they've ever done is and she said it's this project is this project that I'm doing now um, it's always this project that I'm doing now. And I think that's so true, isn't it? That like the hardest thing you're doing is the thing that you're currently working on. Yeah. So I do think that sort of bar changes um, of what, what you're terrified at the time is you can look back and be like, oh, that was, that was easy, no problemo. But actually the thing at the time is, is so all-consuming and so difficult that, yeah, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, you, you can't see past it. No, exactly. So what is the coolest job you've ever worked on creatively what what an exceptional question i think oh, probably the, the answer to that is um the play that we worked on in our first year of university called summer begins oh yes summer begins we, we started our love affair yeah um yeah it was i i, I that's possibly not the coolest job I've ever worked on but I think I don't know how you felt about getting to um to, to quite a large university but I've probably been big fish small pond I hope no one ever listens to this because they'll be like that's not true I hope someone <laughs> listens to this Martha. <laughs> touche <laughs> um but I got to Manchester and was like easy I'll just get on a play yeah and then and I realized well Yes and no. I think I realised how competitive it was because I think it wasn't straight away, actually, was it? Or I got rejected from some of the other ones. Um, well, I'll tell we... you now. It was it was a mifter. Uh, so it was part of the um, the second semester of uni. Uh, I don't know oh. if they still do those at Manchester. Um, Manchester Infringe Theatre Awards. Taking a little segue here, just giving some promo to Manchester Uni. Um, but yeah, it was part of uh, the awards um, for the second semester. There you go. Because uh, yeah, I'm sure I got rejected from everything in the first one. So I was too scared to audition. Sense. But 
yeah it, well, I think it was it was cool for us because we were just these first year babies and yeah it was like I think most of the cast were third years weren't they or maybe second and third but we definitely felt like oh my god we're with the cool kids now yeah it did feel like that actually I think um you were obviously far less arrogant than I was in thinking <laughs> I just get straight in um but it's nice I think it 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 sort of started to pave the way for for this being a bit more of a professional thing oh that's um, nice that's nice that it did that for you yeah just quick negative uh question then what's the worst job you've ever done ah also also an easy answer um also university answer the first edinburgh fringe play that i ever did um i can't remember it was called a sky burial sorry joe it was probably his first play as well um it was shockingly bad and i spent 40 of the 50 minutes uh in a in a coma oh. having to grunt at um, opportune moments that informed the play so under the hot lights in a room of um, I suppose a capacity of maybe 20-30 people in Edinburgh mm. um, where it's deathly hot I couldn't even fall asleep which was <laughs> <laughs> devastating um, I think we probably got about five people in tops oh, uh, classic Edinburgh. yeah well it was awful it was an awful play I think that's fair enough really at least you didn't have uh, the stress of remembering lines. No, although I did wake up at the end and scare everyone. Oh, okay. So that, cool. was, that was good. So, so, so um, university obviously paved the way, I think you said earlier. What, um, yeah. what is your dream job? Like, is there anyone you'd love to work with, a piece you'd love to um, act in or? Yeah. Oh, um, my dream job, I think because... Um, as well as being arrogant, <laughs> I'm a, a complete control freak, you know, two of the, the greatest attributes to my character. So <laughs> I think um, I would love, a dream job would probably just be to, to write the theme tune, sing the theme tune and, and chew and, and um, been living in Suffolk too long and, um, and work in, in radio, I think, and yeah. um, write and direct and produce dramas but while everyone's you know potentially in their pajamas with a script in hand radio to me is is the absolute dream and i would love to get into it yeah exactly and i hate learning lines it's the worst bit about the job so yeah. it's, it's dreamy cool um so uh tone shift what's your spirit animal <laughs> um i think i've realized during lockdown i probably had a hunch before that i am definitely a dog because <laughs> I need to be walked at least once a day. Yeah. I get very grumpy if I'm not fed. I like to sleep. Don't like interrupted sleep. Um, and actually, I just need people to play with me. Yeah. <laughs> and then leave me alone. So I think, yeah, a dog is probably right. I'd like to say something, you know, more glamorous, but... No, I love a humble answer. An answer that's really true to your soul. <laughs> You've not gone wild and big. You've just... You've just been honest and we like that. I've just that. been honest. Yeah. My, I mean, I had my ex-boyfriend used to call me a honey badger. Oh. Because um, I had a terrible temper. <laughs> <laughs> really selling myself well. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the piece that we're going to listen to? So where the inspiration came from, what it's all about, what it means to you? 
Yeah, so I wanted to write something in response to Brexit and um, was trying to think of a way I could do that. Um, so this is my sort of allegory of Brexit. Um, very, very, very loosely based on The Tempest. And cool. um, I didn't want it to be a political play in the sense of saying what's right and what's wrong but to more more to kind of think about the essence of the arguments that were being um had at the time i know brexit feels like well it's about to happen isn't it but it given the pandemic feels like uh, the last thing on everyone's mind as well oh yeah <laughs> but um it was premiered at ink festival a festival a short play festival in suffolk um in 2019 and won the i won the the Best young, blessed, I don't know, blessed. A, a playwright, a blessed, a blessed playwright <laughs> award for it. <laughs> no, let's get that right. Best playwright. Very award, well done. For, oh, I don't think that even was the award. This is how arrogant I am. I think it was the oh, award. You're making this up? I'm making this up. The award <laughs> for promising young playwright. I think that's not best, is it? I've just added that in. Yeah, but promising is, it's promising. <laughs> promising is not best. <laughs> Okay, right then. Um, so we <laughs> have been quite nostalgic in this interview because we go back a long way. And I suppose if we're thinking about creativity and nostalgia, is there a link there then with the piece? Yeah, so I suppose my feeling is that the sort of essence of Brexit um, is nostalgia and this view of the past being very rosy and sunny and um there's a great mike bartlett play about brexit called albion and um the characters hold a sort of agatha christie themed i don't know 1930s 40s murder mystery party Wonderful. and i think in that yeah it, i mean it sounds great fun to be honest but it sort of encapsulates this idea that once upon a time we all lived in sunny sunny England where everyone knew their neighbours and everything was um happy and glorious and and the modern age is not like that and we just want to get back to that and I think um that's where I felt that nostalgia was playing a very dangerous role in our collective conscious really so um yeah so the character of Miranda is is sort of suffering from that nostalgia um and I do think it is an, it is suffering rather than it being a always a good thing. Mm, that's beautiful. I, I love that. And <laughs> we were um, talking about this in the last episode, actually, this idea of rose tinted glasses. And I think, yeah, that's definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <rose-tinted>, my <laughs> yeah. contribution. Rose tinted glasses. But no, that that's that's really interesting. Um, and in terms of mindfulness, it's that's the whole idea of being present, isn't it? Like we look back on something and what what about where we are right now? Uh, the past isn't always the glory days that we like to think it was. Exactly. And in so many ways, we've come so far. And I think it's really important to, to hold on to that. And I do think at the moment, it's a case of of holding on to that because I think as much as we're moving forwards there are lots of people trying to drag us backwards as well so I think yeah. it's about kind of maintaining unfortunately rather than progressing yeah yeah for sure so in terms of challenges then and progression uh what do you think are some of the hardest challenges that people in creative professions face 
It's really hard, isn't it? I think um, it's a very oversaturated industry and um, it's got a high dropout rate, as many people know, because it's a, it's a really difficult industry to, to sustain yourself in if you're not a rich Etonian with parents that just have a, a spare house in Mayfair for you to live in while you audition and yeah. such. Um, there was an interesting uh, discussion that um, Alan Lane from Slunglow was having recently on the um, Independent Theatre Council conference um, about this kind of lack of money in the arts. And he was saying that, you know, that if nothing else, the pandemic has showed that people are currently starving and are on the complete breadline. Um, and yet you can get 10 grand to put on a cabaret performance mm. it's like you know we should see the arts as it's it's a right and it's a really important thing to do but we are also incredibly lucky to be able to produce art of any description and yeah. I think we should sort of keep that um in mind about how fortunate we are but then you know at the same time it's also really difficult to engage um people from working classes people from different um backgrounds and yeah making our our art as diverse as our as our cult uh, our culture and our society mm. should, you know is then that's also really difficult so i think there are many many challenges yeah yeah in the profession so what what skills or qualities do you think creative people need then to deal with these challenges money <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean i i'm kind of joking but i'm also kind of not i think it's it is a very elitist business unfortunately mm. um but i also think there is a to a certain extent there is there is resilience and there is kind of stamina with it and that's um easy to say from my perspective because i have a part-time job that sustains me through this and um I couldn't be a full-time writer or a full-time actor um, because it's, you know, the money is just not, is not there. So I think perhaps having something else, having a life outside it is really important because if nothing yeah. else, particularly for, I was going to say particularly for writing, but for acting as well, it's really important to live in the real world and, you know, have real experiences and yeah. um, stay sane. Yeah, absolutely. And have, you know, have interests outside of this profession, because what do you have to offer if you just spend all your time with theatre people, you know, like-minded people in your little echo chamber? Yeah, yeah. Love that. Um, so finally, if you could go back in time and tell your younger self something, what would it be? Um don't go to vegan restaurants because they tend to put cashew nuts in everything and you're very allergic to those <laughs> i'm not laughing at a very serious allergy uh great yeah um and i don't know try and grow taller cool i think you've got a lovely a lovely height <laughs> thank that's you that's the way we compliment people's heights um cool Thanks. Is that the answer you were looking for? Did you? Want um, I shouldn't be looking for any kind of answer, so I'm 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 very pleased with with anything that you. It's say. your podcast, though. You can. Just um, 
<laughs> no, no uh, cashew nuts are an important life theme. Absolutely. Um, so cool. Thank you so much. It's been so lovely to talk to you. Um, Thanks for having me, Lucy. It's been a pleasure. You are very welcome. In After Prospero by Martha Loder, Ariel is played by Lucy Follows and Miranda by Martha Loder. To dance. Party ring. What? Do you want a party ring? Of course not. I. Can we? Can you just turn that? Can you just turn that off? Right. Better. Are you insane? Probably. What's downstairs? Are you? What's all this? Where's Dad? In his bedroom. So he's here all night, is he? Guess so. You guess so? I know so. They just gave him to you? That's right. They just let you have him? Right. Overnight? Yes. Right. Right. And downstairs? Yes. Yes. All you've got to say is yes. Yes. Your entire ground floor is flooded. Right. And you're... What are you doing about it? Nothing, really. Nothing? It's not the first time it's happened. It won't be the last. What's the point? What's the point? Can you stop repeating everything I say, please? The house is flooded. I know, Miranda. I live here. So you've what? Just moved everything up here? Pretty much. No point leaving it downstairs. Some of it's ruined, obviously, but I've managed to save most things. So, all in all... All in all? It's also just really annoying when you do it. Nobody likes a parrot. How have you been living like this? Quite easily, really. I bought that long ladder you came up and I just go in and out through the window in the spare room. How is that in any way safe? Oh, I bought a good padlock for the window. People would really have to hack at it to get in. That's not... That's obviously not... And it's not exactly somewhere you'd think was worth robbing. Why didn't you just move? Surely your insurance would cover any damage caused by... Oh, for God's sake, Ariel. I thought it automatically renewed. No, you didn't. Okay, no, I didn't. We never got it. But still, I wouldn't get it now, would I? You are unbelievable. How did they get Dad in? Through the window. Like you. What? It's the only entrance now. The stairs are too structurally unsafe, apparently. Uh, how? Like a piano. Like in those old films. They used ropes and some kind of pulley system and just levered him in. It was very impressively done. That's hideously inappropriate. He doesn't care. It's insensitive. He would have found it funny. He wouldn't. No, you're right. He wouldn't. But I did. Why don't you have a party ring? I don't want a party ring. But you always loved party rings. I can't eat gluten and party rings have gluten in them. I didn't know party rings had gluten in them. Stop saying party ring. I hate you. How would you have suggested getting Dad in here then? You could have... 
if you just... There would have been a... That is a ridiculous question, and you know it. A, you didn't need to bring him home in the first place, and B, you can't live in a flooded bloody house and offer to host a wake. It's metaphorical. What is? Climbing a ladder to attend a wake. It's like ascending to heaven. You're going to hell. Hopefully. I can't believe what you've done to the... That you've been living like this and not, and not done anything about it. Look, why don't you have a glass of wine to calm down? Wafer? You are on very thin ice. Look, have a glass of wine, we'll turn the music back on and we can catch up. How have you been? Unbelievable. This is unbelievable. Can I get you a towel at least? It's horrible out there. You are insane. You know that. This is insane. Here. Here. Thank you. You're welcome. Do you want to take your coat off? Are you having a party? No. Because this looks like a party. Of course not. Rather than a wake. No, it's a wake. Definitely. Because it really looks like you're celebrating. Obviously not. Rather than grieving. Grief affects everyone differently. You should know that as a life coach. Counsellor. I'm a counsellor. Okay. Okay. We can... We can work through this. Wine? Okay. Do you want to sit down? Okay. You look tired. You look old. And fat. Thank you. I've lost weight. Have you? I'm doing the 5 2 diet. 5 to what? No, 5 2. Five days of eating normally, two days of fasting. That sounds awful. It's worked really well for me. You've successfully starved yourself. It's not starvation, it's fasting. We weren't biologically programmed to eat as much and as regularly as we do now. We weren't biologically programmed for many things. It doesn't stop us doing them. Shall we not argue? I don't think I can cope with it at the moment. What shall we do instead? I hoped I'd come back and we could be friends. Of course we're friends. We're sisters. The two aren't synonymous. No. You need a haircut. Statements like that don't help. Sorry. How many are we expecting? What? People. When? At the wake. Oh, I'm not sure. Well, roughly. I don't know. An approximation. Okay, approximately two. Two? You? And me. Two? Oh, let's not start that again. Didn't he... Wasn't he... I thought he had... No. But he was so... so prolific. That doesn't always make you friends. The two aren't synonymous. No. No, I suppose not. I thought... I don't know, I, I thought there'd be a few. 
He didn't see anyone, except me. No. He stayed up here mostly, with his books, with me. Yes. He was a great reader. He could read? No, but he was a great reader. He read books, yes. You know what I mean, you're being difficult. I'm not. Just because you read a lot of books doesn't make you a great reader. It just means you can read and you choose to utilise that ability. Then I'll call him a great writer instead. Half the books in there are his. Reading your own writing doesn't count. Oh, I give up. The storm's getting worse. Yes. Feels like the whole world is about to end being up here. Those waves are as tall as ships. Are there no proper sea defences here? There are some. They're pretty useless, though. We should write to the council. Demand proper protection. This is our home. My home. It's my home, too. Just because I haven't been here for a while. Four centuries. Just because I haven't been here for a while does not mean it's no longer my home. I grew up here. It's in my blood. It's part of my genetic makeup, this house. What are they doing, anyway, the council? What are they doing to sort this out? You can't just leave houses to flood. You should have been rehomed. It's not safe here. They offered. Then why? Dad refused to leave. So, here we are. I'm sorry I haven't been in touch for a while. That's okay. It's not, really. No, it's not. I've been... Things have been busy, I suppose. Yes. London is so full of energy and distractions and suddenly 400 years has passed. Did you get my letters? Yes. Oh. And Dad? He read them. Oh. He didn't really communicate with anyone on the outside world, just sent out manuscripts every so often. Right. So what have you been doing all these years? Nothing, really. We read and talked and walked on the beach. Sounds idyllic. Why? Do you have any real food? I thought you didn't eat. Today is an eating day and I'm hungry. I bet you are. You've been starving yourself for years. Is it just party food? Where's the kitchen now? We don't really have one. There's a fridge and a tabletop hob next door, but there's nothing really in there. So you've just got biscuits and cocktail sausages? That's all people want at a wake. This isn't a wake. It's just us sat around eating party rings with Dad's dead body next door. Do you remember that year we had a joint birthday party? No. Yes, you do. It was ridiculous because there's, what, four months between our birthdays, but we insisted we had one together. So we did it in February to make sure it was equally divided. We wanted it to be a seaside party, even in winter. So we made sandcastle buns and jelly jellyfish and Cornish pasties, and you ate so much yellow icing from the bowl that you were sick and stained your favourite blue shirt. I don't remember. Well, I do. I don't think I've ever been as happy since. That's a macabre kind of happiness. I'm happy to be back. Here, in this house, in our home. You don't seem it. 
Well, I am. There's a strange kind of security here, isn't there? Despite everything. It's so peaceful. Being by the sea, being on our own. London is so... crowded. And here, it's so isolated. Yes. Just as Dad wanted. Yes. Marooned on our island. Yes. Yes. I wish I'd never left. You didn't leave. You were rescued. <laughs> Hardly. A man rode up on horseback and took you away. Nonsense. The only way Dad could have parted with you. To release you to another man. Yes, well, now it feels less like rescue and more like kidnap. It didn't work out. I'm divorcing him. Oh. I miss my life before. I, I miss my childhood. I, I feel as though my life has been swept out from beneath my feet. Suddenly I'm middle-aged and I don't know what I've done with myself. It's called a midlife crisis. I'd have been happy here. With you, with Dad. Just us on our island. Prospero, Miranda and Ariel. I went to Oslo recently for work. Norway. I know. I was out there for a conference, but I had a few days to spare at the end, so I rented a car and drove out into the country and stayed in this small town a bit south of the city. It was beautiful. Serene, peaceful. It reminded me of what life was like here when we were little. There were children playing out on the streets, running around with no shoes on, not a care in the world. Their parents weren't scared for them either. Not like they are today. People are terrified all the time about what will happen to their kids. The world is an awful place now. It never used to be. We could roam freely, have adventures, build dens, climb trees, do whatever we wanted and only come home when it was time to go to bed. Then we'd wake up and do it all over again. I met someone out there, actually. Someone else. Nothing happened. I didn't want that. Not while I was still with Ferdinand, but I realised I'd never met anyone so incredible in all my life. She ran the local pub in this town, and each morning she hiked up a mountain with her dog and ate her breakfast at the top. And in winter she closed up the pub for a few weeks. She had a cabin up in the mountains, and she'd go skiing and would ice skate on the frozen lakes and build igloos with her nieces and nephews. And I found I couldn't imagine a better way to spend my life than the way she did. I got home late that Thursday night when Ferdinand was asleep and I packed a bag and in the morning I told him I was leaving. I read one of his books again, actually. Dad's. Just before I went to Norway. The Island. I think that might have been part of why I had to leave. I really felt like I needed to be by myself again. Go back to how things were when life was simpler. It's a horrible book. What? It's a horrible book. The Island. It's elitist and colonialist and it's patriarchal. It's beautifully written. People still love it. People still love James Bond. It doesn't mean that they should. Things are of their time. So why not keep them there? Why drag these things up again and again? I've had non-stop letters since news of Dad's death broke, asking me for the rights to his books for films and TV series, and it's unbearable. 
I want to burn them all. What is this fixation on the past all about? You reminisce about this supposed time when children roamed around freely and away from danger, but you forget that danger has always existed. Dangerous people have always existed. Your statistics are all crooked in your nostalgia. Back then, children were still attacked or molested. It's just that they couldn't talk about it. Or if they did, then they certainly wouldn't have been believed. If a wife was beaten or raped by a husband, that was just part of domestic life. What happened behind closed doors was their business. No one else's. Ariel. And if you'd fallen in love, or whatever you think this might be with that woman, you'd have been spat at in the street, been ostracised from your family, your friends, your work, if you were lucky enough to even have a job in the first place. What are you doing? Where are you getting this false idealism from? Look at this place. It's falling apart. Each year, on my birthday, Dad would read me The Tempest. (laughs) It was my favourite story, even as a child. I loved the island and its magic. I loved the comedy of it all, the stupid servants and their treachery, the giant game of chess that Prospero plays with each of the characters. I desperately wanted to be like the Ariel in the play, who could shapeshift and dance and create huge feasts and wondrous music. But then I grew up and I realised that Ariel was no friend of Prospero. He was his slave. Our version of the story started with The Tempest too, mine and Dad's. We rarely watched the news, but there was one day, I, I don't know why, we turned on the TV and watched as a storm broke over the Mediterranean. We turned on the TV and people were drowning. Dozens of them. Hundreds of them. We stood on the shore and... Watched them drown. Whole families. Small children, old people, everywhere in between. Prospero and Ariel, marooned on their island. Watching. When it was over and the sky and the sea had separated again, I looked for those characters I knew so well coming ashore for our adventure. But all that remained was a small boy in a red T-shirt, lying face down in the sand. We conjured the Tempest, and instead of saving them, we let it take them all. That wasn't your fault. That wasn't anyone's fault. Of course it was my fault. I pleaded with Dad. If by your art, my dearest father, you have put the wild waters in this roar, allay them. The sky, it seems, would pour down stinking pitch, but that the sea, mounting to the welkin's cheek, dashes the fire out. That used to be your line. Do you remember? And all he replied was, there's no harm done. I knew in that moment that our isolation had cost us our humanity. And I couldn't let that happen. Over the last few months, I've gradually been speeding up the inevitable, I suppose. Tampering with his meals. And now, the great Prospero is dead. Sorry, just so I'm... Are you saying you killed him? I encouraged the unavoidable with arsenic. I... I... Why? 
Were you not listening? Of, of course, of, of course I was, but I don't understand it. I hated my confinement up here. Hated being marooned alone with just Dad for company. But I never saw it as a threat to anyone else but myself. Until I saw that little boy in the sand, and I knew that we'd done that to him. Tomorrow I'll take Dad down to the beach and give him a proper sea burial. He'll rest easier there. I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't want you to be part of this. But I read your letters and I knew that I would have to make you understand that freedom cannot be found in isolation. What you're looking for doesn't reside here. Don't hide up here in your memories as we have done. I should never have left you alone here. It's as if time hasn't touched you. You are so beautifully preserved. And you have so beautifully lived. What will you do now? I don't know. I feel rather seasick. Where the bee sucks, there suck I. In a cowslip's bell I lie. There I couch when owls do cry. On the bat's back I do fly. After summer, merrily. Merrily, merrily shall I live now. Under the blossom that hangs on the bough. was indeed a very thought-provoking piece of writing. Thank you, Martha, for really giving us some stuff to think about. I particularly love those themes of alternate realities and how we measure time. You can follow Martha on Twitter, at Martha Loder, and her website, tusktheatre.com slash Martha. In our next episode, we're going to be exploring music and walking as creative therapy. So, I have been Juicy Follows, Please follow me on Instagram at Juicy Follows Creative. You can follow Shock Radio, our wonderful collaborators, on all the social media channels for lots of other cool podcasts and shows. Search for Shock Radio. Thank you all so much for listening, and I hope you've enjoyed it as much as me. We'll be back soon for some more mindful, creative musings. Until then, ciao, stay safe, stay kind, stay creative.